Uh, the phone call went something along the lines of, Pete, when are you going to grow up and get a proper job? I've, what I've realised is, is that I'm probably unemployable now, uh, having spent spent the last sort of several years growing and building the business. And I think the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that you get to do the stuff you enjoy doing, right? So you sort of build it and your role will evolve as you grow the business and you build it and you do different stuff. I suppose the right term is spirited. I like some freedom and autonomy to be able to make my own decisions, do my own thing. So I struggle to toe the line a little bit. And, and as we launch Allied, we're going to find that there's going to be loads of benefits that we've potentially not even thought of, which I think is really exciting, particularly as you start to implement AI into your business. One of the businesses that have been beta testing it has said to me, do you know what, what's the most powerful thing or most valuable thing here is, it is the advice actually what I'm going to be able to build with my team of people is a competence tool. I'm going to be able to understand what competence challenges I've got in my business. Hi, I'm Freya. Welcome to the Skynet Chronicles, Business in the AI Age, the podcast that dives deep into the world where artificial intelligence meets business. Join us as we explore the latest trends, challenges, and opportunities in this ever-evolving landscape. From innovative startups to established enterprises, we'll uncover the secrets behind the successful integration of AI technologies. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and get ready to unlock the mysteries of business in the AI age. Well, good morning, Pete. We're thrilled to have you with us today. Describe your current role at Flagship Partners. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm like, uh, I founded the business in 2018. I was going to go with something funny then, and I thought maybe I won't. Um, but yeah, I founded the business in 2018, and my current role is entrepreneur, leader, managing director. Some people go for the CEO thing. I've not gone for that yet. Maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you been running Flagship? Yeah, sure. So... Um, I, I started the business, like I say, in 2018, but I didn't work fully. I was, I was sort of building it up while still working in a corporate job. And uh, I managed to get the confidence up to uh, to leave that role in March 2019. So nearly a year later. Wow. So you did it right through the roller coaster of COVID then? Yeah, absolutely. So it was, it was really strange. The first year, um was kind of just we were cracking on it was like normal I was like this is okay it's going pretty well and it was just just me at the time um Maggie my wife she joined me later and she started doing some first aid training and that kind of stuff so we didn't have any employees as the world went mental over COVID um but it was yeah it was a real challenge once that happened and uh we just were told to stay at home and I was like oh, my god what's going to happen really uh, but it did it did give us an opportunity to evolve the business into something which was more sustainable. So uh, it's had its blessings uh, whilst they were very disguised at the time when um, the whole world fell apart and I felt quite scared. In fact, I actually remember I actually remember my dad ringing me. Uh, I've got four children, right? So there's a lot of responsibility for Mags and I as well with making sure that the business worked. And uh, having left a corporate job, uh, dad was like, He's not the most entrepreneurial being an ex-policeman, right? So uh, the phone call went something along the lines of, Pete, when are you going to grow up and get a proper job? 
So there we go. That was kind of how COVID went. <laughs> so when are you going to grow up and get a proper job? Then? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, I've, what I've realised is, is that I'm probably unemployable now, uh, yeah. having spent spent the last sort of several years growing and building the business. And kind of, I think the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that you get to do the stuff you enjoy doing, right? So you sort of build it and your role will evolve as you grow the business and you build it and you do different stuff. And you kind of work out what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And then the stuff you don't enjoy, you bring people in who are better at it than you to do it. And uh, you get to carry on doing the stuff you really enjoy. And you learn loads of good stuff about yourself as you develop and grow. Awesome. So you mentioned your history in corporate. Tell us a yes. bit about your oh. your roles in different transport yeah, structures so, historically. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I once upon a time, I had a blue suit and brown pointy shoes and sort of fit that corporate model. And... Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I think I, I feel very blessed because I wouldn't be where I am now without my work history and all of the all of the contributing factors that that's led to where I am now. Um, I was um, I had some great experiences. I had some fantastic training and development that enabled me to be able to be the business person I am now. I, su- I suppose is the is the right way of thinking about it. But I always struggled. I'm um, I'm sort of quite, I suppose the right term is spirited. So I like to, I like some freedom and autonomy to be able to make my own decisions, do my own thing. So I struggle to toe the line a little bit. Um, but yeah, I um, I certainly worked in my younger years in a m- sort of small to medium sized enterprise, which was privately owned. And I had the experience of uh, working under an amazing entrepreneur and leader who sort of ran that business slightly different style to how I run my business but nonetheless it was a really good work learning experience and then from um, leaving that role to working for um, a large blue chip global uh, truck manufacturer um, which is obviously a household name for most people and um, having worked for them I got some great development there was a lot of politics involved it was very interesting and um you know, I got to meet some some really great professional people, um, and uh, I was very fortunate to be able to understand the value of a brand. Right, so that that's one of the real key learnings I think in building the business was understanding the value of really having a brand and having a reputation. Because you know, being frank, I I grew up facing out the back of an old Volvo estate, right, and I was like looking out the back of it in the the, the seats used to be in the boot, you know, yeah. and. Um, and just understanding that my dad bought that car because it was the safest and then working for the company and understanding safety, quality, environment, all the things that were really important. And also being sort of quite proud of the safety elements of the things they did. So Volvo actually, one of their one of their employees created the three-point seatbelt and didn't patent it um, because they felt that it was the right thing to do so that all globally manufacturers would be able to use that, that design. So there's a pride of working working in that role as well, um, but also realizing what my values are and what's important to me, particularly safety, um, which has sort of led on to the business that I do now. Awesome. So tell us a bit about what Flagship does now. Yeah, sure. So um, it, it's uh, so Flagship is a is a consultancy and training business. We focus largely on fleet and transport operators. Um, one of the things I realized when I worked in my previous role was that there was a a real opportunity for uh, a business to be able to be the, the the experts that helped support those medium-sized enterprises that um, was able to really understand the legislation, understand the compliance piece, but also help support them to perform really well. Uh, so helping with obligations around safety and compliance, but 
also developing the teams to be able to to perform better as well so yeah flagship partners essentially we, we support a range of businesses but largely and predominantly our customers operate fleets of various sizes usually vans goods vehicles that kind of stuff employ a team of drivers and and often um our our main clients they they, they may not actually be like traditional haulage firms but there'll be um, firms who have trucks as a byproduct of what they do so they're builders merchants they're skip companies they're removals companies that kind of stuff um, and uh, I love working with them they're, they're fantastic businesses they're often family owned you've still got the business owner working within the business who's a key decision maker which I like because I like to be able to not have to deal one of the things I learned was that I like to be able to deal with decision makers and just uh, make things happen and help support that um, business from a, a developmental point of view without having to I don't know I think my theory was always like do something and ask for forgiveness after when I worked in polit- a lot like in in sort of bigger organizations as but, opposed to the standard corporate consensus based decision making <laughs> where 60 people need to sign off on anything yeah yeah exactly and I find that a bit tedious yeah just a bit yeah <laughs> so what are some of the biggest challenges that fleet operators have Wow. So yeah, that's a great question. Um, there are some real challenges. Okay. So, um, the essentially when, when people run HGVs, for example, so many people listening to this won't, won't have sort of come across this well before. Um, but people who or companies that run, uh, goods vehicles, they have to have this thing called an operator's license. So any vehicles that are over three and a half ton, which is sort of a standard van size, um, they have to have this operator's license, which it had in itself very similarly to health and safety law that affects all employers in the UK. Um, the 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 um, vehicle operator licensing involves the transport operators, and there's loads of obligations that they have. They're regulated by uh, the office of the traffic commissioner, and uh, that's under you know that, that's seen by the DVSA, who are essentially like like a form of traffic police, I suppose, who help ensure that standards are maintained within that industry um so they can stop vehicles roadside they look after mot testing so when you go and get your car mot'd they'll it'll be tested at a dvsa approved center but usually it'll be an employee of that garage that will test it whereas with uh with commercial vehicles larger commercial vehicles they're actually tested by dvsa examiners so uh you can't do that privately that's something that's that's then done um by the dvsa so they manage all of that testing regime so Essentially, there's a whole whole heap of um, compliance that operators have to do around, firstly, the maintenance of vehicles, making sure they're well-maintained and that they're roadworthy. And then the other one is around driver's hours and managing managing the what we call the traffic side of their business, which is making sure that drivers are doing the things they should be doing and that they're working within the hours. There's a sort of um, EU directive that came over and then was accepted into UK law when we left uh, during Brexit. Um, and uh, it's quite complex, uh, which I guess kind of leads on to where we're going. So are you comfortable talking about the membership package that you're developing at Flagship? Yeah, sure. So one of the things, one of the things when I launched Flagship was that I realised that ultimately as a consultancy and training business, we we trade time for money so to speak in that we we i i have experts that i employ that will help uh businesses um with a range of stuff whatever they need policies procedures other consulting work auditing risk assessments whatever it may be but ultimately um with the membership service i i recognize that 
as a small business, I faced a challenge in that our larger competitors had a uh, national geography. They were able to support operators on a national basis, which was something that I'd struggled to do as an organically grown business. So I started to think about how I could launch a membership platform. And one of the things that I realized was that the, the the competitors that have got a membership platform, they have call centers and those kinds of things, which are quite expensive to run, um, which I guess led us to uh, having a conversation around how we could enable advice and give good quality advice, but utilizing utilizing AI. So we're mentioning Allied by name now then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go with it, right? Awesome. Um, so tell us a bit about the Allied application. Sure. So essentially Allied Allied is our application that underpins the membership service that we're launching in 2024. And uh, Allied is a very exciting, um, very exciting advice service, which is available to our members uh, where operators will be able to go on, they'll be able to log in and they'll be able to ask a question related to operator licensing, health and safety and employment law and they'll be able to get a great quality answer back. But you already know this stuff because you oh, haven't I, built it. Tim. Well, I, I did. but um, So how does that differ from just somebody going on and using ChatGPT? Yeah, it's a good question. So what was really important to me when we started to to sort of build ally and we're having the allied and we're having those conversations i think the most important thing is that it's really important so reputation in my industry is everything and if we if we start giving poor advice or um irrelevant advice that will naturally really impact our brand and our business and um reduce the trust and over the last few years we've really worked hard to build the trust um, and build the reputation that we've got. So um, what Allied does, which is slightly different to G ChatGPT, is that we've set uh, essentially guardrails around the advice that it gives so that I know it is only using reputable uh, resources to be able to provide the advice, which I think is vitally important with any type of advice service to make sure that we can really stand on the advice that it offers. Yeah, I agree completely. I think we've seen quite a lot of developments where people are using ChatGPT or other basic chatbots connected to some sort of retrieval augmented generation where they're able to use knowledge bases, but they're still using these chatbots that are prone to hallucination. You ask them a question, you get something incredibly elaborate back that isn't necessarily reflective of the sources and how you control that and make sure you're getting something that is bang on, backed up by the sources is critical. And so I know we've had quite a lot of fun building out what are those reputable sources, how do we get the information from them, how do we store it in bite-sized chunks so that we can make sure they're fed back in and how we guarantee the sources are shown back to the user when they ask a question. So no matter what question they ask, it either says that's outside what I'm permitted to share or it list the sources it's got the information from so that they can click through and get further information from a reputable source. Yeah, and I think I think like you say that that's absolutely vital because with um with with any sort of advice line, for example, one of the challenges so I, I have a bit of a challenge around that being manned by a person because ultimately 
as we all know, the psychology of people can be quite challenging. Now, I'm not knocking the experience and the learning that, that someone on the end of the phone may have when they offer that advice. But one of the things is, is they have all these filters and belief mechanisms and um, this sort of stuff about right and wrong and um, whether they agree or disagree. But also, I fundamentally believe that people only have a capacity to remember a certain amount of stuff and then there's also this ego thing around what are they willing to go and look up to be able to help support so there's lots of complex stuff going on when people answer a question that they're asked whereas with uh, with ai we're able to ensure that we've we've trained the we've trained allied to be able to ensure that there's no you know, there's no like human element where it's interfering with the information. We, we're guaranteeing, you know, this is the information you need and here's the reputable resources. You can go and do some further reading, but essentially this is your answer and we're really confident that that's the right answer for what you need at this stage. Now, obviously, there's a, a way you're able to reword the question and have a bit of a play and ask stuff and explore and expand and you'll start to get a different response. But essentially, we've got, we're able to now offer this really exciting um, ability to be able to answer pretty much any question that you may have around the the compliance element of running running your business, which is really really powerful and also very quick as well. So that that's the other thing is that you just literally can just log in and ask the question. There's no delays whilst you're waiting for somebody to answer the phone. There's no I'll ring you back. Um, there's no you know like um having to ring and i'm just gonna you know you can hear uh, the gears crunching yeah, while they're looking yeah, up the answer absolutely, to tell you yeah so ultimately <laughs> someone's going to be needing some support they might need to go through an authorization process with their team leader particularly if they're training those kinds of things whereas here we've just got this immediacy of information that's uh, uh, sort of straight away available uh, to users and one of the really unique things that as and, and as we launch Allied, we're going to find that there's going to be loads of benefits that we've potentially not even thought of, which I think is really exciting, particularly as you start to implement AI into your business. Because the, the, one of the valuable things that we've learned through the beta testing process is that one of the, one of the businesses that have been beta testing it has said to me, do you know what, what's the most powerful thing or most valuable thing here is, it is the advice but actually what I'm going to be able to build with my team of people is a competence tool. I'm going to be able to understand what competence challenges I've got in my business because people are going to be asking questions and you're going to have a record of the questions they've been asking, which then enables us to be able to tailor our advice and service and offering and training off the back of that to ensure that their business starts to develop their people so that they need it less. And that's, that's a really powerful tool because as Allied evolves, and as as things evolve, we'll be able to help support the people to become, it's almost like a, it's going to develop as a learning tool to be able to help bridge those gaps. And the beauty of it is, is that we're actually protecting the people as well, because it is, because it is, um, what's the right term when it's, there's not a name, <laughs> there's not someone's name attached to it, when it's anonymous, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, so when it's anonymous, the beauty is, is that people are confident that they're not going to be challenged on the questions they're asking they're not gonna um you know they're not gonna have any um negative impact downstream from asking a question they can be rest assured that actually 
they're safe and and able to ask a question with without any fear of judgment either which i think is another benefit you know just just moving on to that if you ring somebody up you've got to tell them who you are where you're from that sort of stuff and they're going to turn around and go you should know this and that <laughs> that makes people reluctant to ask the question right you also can't be quite as blunt in your questioning with a human with as you can with an ai so i think that that natural bias that people have when you ask a question the way you ask the question definitely influences the type of response you're getting whereas it doesn't matter how blunt you are when you ask a question of an ai it's all it's doing is comparing it against the sources and going okay which closely aligns and can i give a sensible response to that question so that for me is brilliant because i can be quite blunt quite forthright and that's why i'm probably better talking to a computer than a person most of the time yeah. but when we're looking at tools like allied it gives such a benefit in uplift that it doesn't matter what you ask how you ask it you're still going to get a genuine valid response back and yeah it's anonymous and yet at a company level we can still see the activity and help direct their training patterns off the back of that data set yeah absolutely and, and that intelligence is going to be really really valuable because what we're going to be able to see is the shortfall um the shortfall in knowledge retention from training received um you know that there's going to be so much data we're going to be able to gather off the back of that in a in a way that you couldn't by old old means at all and uh, like you say this objectivity of ensuring that the advice is the right advice timely and that we can provide the the links to the right resources to ensure that there's further learning available. There's further development to be able to go. Yep, yeah, this is. I'm happy that this is what I need to know. And um, if I need to know anything further, then this is the resource I'm going to use moving forward. So, really, really excited to be able to launch the membership program, which is which is essentially powered by Allied, which is really really exciting. Absolutely, it is. I think as we've gone through the beta testing, we've discovered a, almost a new need that we didn't know when we. Were, specking out how we were going to develop it which is how we track questions that are asked that we don't have answers for and how we then ensure that we're getting the right reliable sources to meet those questions because our initial data set was incredibly limited so it was brilliant at asking employment related questions but was rubbish at transport and as we've extended the sources over time we've done that in a way where it's quite manual but what we're moving towards now is an automated understanding of okay where are the gaps can sources be automatically identified that might be a good reliable fit reviewed by human and then added in so that we can continuously increment the knowledge base to fill the gaps i think that's something that we hadn't considered and we certainly hadn't talked about when we were talking about what's possible mm. And I think, I think again, there, there stands something that's really, really valuable because we can also, differently to a call center or differently to ChatGPT or to Google, we can, we can review the quality of the answers that have been provided and we can do further education on, on Allied if we need to. But also we can, like you say, we can start to really ensure that there's the as as it evolves as changes happen as best practice evolves because naturally it does all the time we can ensure that the most relevant most up-to-date information is readily available um which sometimes can be challenging because you know when you have people sometimes it's hard to turn people from analog people to digital people and you don't know whether you're talking to an analog person or a digital person when you're asking them questions and advice right uh what 
what version of that what version of that advice are they working on right do they understand they're still the latest working version? off 1989 version potentially <laughs> yeah yeah potentially right they that they're, 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 you know, and and that's the issue, isn't it? There's this sort of fallibility around knowledge, and um, I think I think it's really exciting because that one of the things is the landscape evolves very quickly, best practice evolves very quickly, and we're going to be able to ensure that everything that's provided is as up to date as absolutely possible, and um, and and also there's that element of you've still got a human there who's reviewing everything to ensure that actually it's the right right information that's being being sort of fed so um yeah very exciting feeds nicely into ethics so ethical considerations of deploying ai to answer questions where currently it's people's jobs yeah. what are your thoughts oh that's very interesting so i think i think there's a i think the way i see it is that um we we should liberate people to be able to fulfill their potential and sometimes that might not be in the existing role that they have and as as people we need to evolve to and and we need to evolve the way we work and and essentially the you know when we look back 100 years 200 years to industrial revolution you know that that old model of um having a business owner who employs a load of warehouse or factory workers and you know they he's he, he sweats his people and they, they they do that work and i know that was very sexist in the way i said him but ultimately it would have been largely at the time um but that industrial revolution that's gone now right we're on this like we're on this revolution again where the future of work is is confusing i'm i don't know what it's going to look like but i also know that if i if i start to embrace that in my business and my team of people embrace that as we evolve the way we work they too will develop they will evolve and i will you know we will be able to create a business which gives fundamentally fantastic employment to people because ultimately that's that's my vision as a business for flagship we support companies to be safer to be greener to be greater to be greater employers and enabling them to perform better will improve the quality of the roles they then offer to to, to, to people and um, I think ethically yes I understand that there is a bit of a challenge but there's no stopping this so we need to find a way to work well with it and we need to people need to embrace it and to and to evolve with it and, and, and work well with it so it's tricky but that's essentially how that is that is evolution that's that's how that's how life goes wise words so what kind of feedback have you had so far from fleet operators when you've been talking about the introduction of ai tools so it's been overwhelmingly positive which is really exciting and we've had a range of fleet operators who have been accessing it with all the way from sort of very small operators to some some national some national fleets who have been helping us test uh the service and as I say, the, as I said before, there's been some there's been some unintended positive consequences that we didn't realise we were going to get, which often happens when you start to push the boundaries of what can be achieved, and that's exciting too. But yeah, overwhelmingly, the the feedback's been really positive. Uh, these are these are you know the that these are stakeholders who already use advice centres 
elsewhere so they're being able to directly compare it with um, other options that are on the market and um, yeah the feedback's been really positive thus far so it's very exciting fantastic so 24 is going to be a great year for flagship yeah absolutely so i've set a target that we're going to sign up 10 10 new members per month um over over the coming 12 months in, in 2024 so um aiming to have 120 members by this time next year which is uh, very exciting i think we'll double that <laughs> <laughs> well it'll be uh it'll be amazing if we do um for now uh maybe maybe i'm being a little bit conservative but uh we'll see how it evolves over the year but it's very exciting fantastic so how do you foresee AI transforming the field of transport training? Wow, it absolutely is going to transform the world of training. So, and, and I, think, I think flagship partners, our relationship with AI isn't going to stop with Allied. I think it's going to develop over time. And um, as we recognize new opportunities for, for learning, um, we'll, we'll implement that. But ultimately, yeah, so it's, it's, I, think, I think the thing with training is that we uh, the beauty of ai is that it can evolve the questions that it asks based on the responses which in, in a way classroom training can be quite challenging because you you lump you lump 20 people into a room for example and i'm not saying this is the wrong thing to do because it is something that we do on a regular basis but we lump people into a room together and ultimately some of that learning will come from the instructor at the front of the room and some of it some of it will be from the lived experiences of other people in the room now one of the challenges ai won't be able to replicate is that group learning element so i think there's still going to be a place for that but i think it can be supported by um ai which will be able to offer a more tailored approach to the individual and um you know based on my my personal learning and development where i've studied nlp and and and, and as an nlp master practitioner i fully understand people learn in various ways they process information in various ways and what happens often is trainers and instructors whilst flagship endeavor never to employ instructors in this way but some can be a bit one-dimensional in the way they deliver training uh, i i believe that ai will be able to recognize someone's learning style it'll be able to ask them questions and it'll be able to tailor the learning content to the individual which will be really really powerful um, and i think that will benefit benefit people longer term once they start to implement ai from a training point of view i don't know what that looks like yet but I'm, I'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to thinking it up over I, the I next i don't think anybody months. knows what it looks like i think it's moving so quickly right you dropped a little bomb in there of nlp so okay. tell me about your nlp experiences so far <sighs> right okay yeah so where do i start for, for some people we'd better spell out that acronym yeah sure so um yeah nlp is short for neuro-linguistic programming and one of the things it really one of the, one of the things that i've learned over my my time with with nlp is that i've i've gone through this process where i i experienced breakthrough coaching and then and then went on and carried on doing the training myself to then enable me to go and do breakthrough coaching with other people now um essentially it's changed my life um what happens is is over time we we have uh, we, we create essentially our map of the world, right, as people based on the experiences we have. A, a range of stuff affects that. Um, it will be the experiences we have as young people, parenting, friends, all of the stuff that goes on around us, our education, um, and then our capacity to learn as well. And what happens is we start to make decisions around the world around us. We make decisions. We um, see the world a certain way based on this programming that we get, almost like a computer. We, 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 we become programmed. 
And, um, you know, certainly I'm not ashamed to say that in the in my evolution, you know, I used to think things like you had to work hard to make money. Um, and I'm not saying that you don't have to work hard necessarily, but some people work very smart and make a lot of money. Okay, yeah. so that's like an evolution of a potential limiting belief. Um, but one of the things was that I had this fundamental belief that I almost had to break myself to work so hard and suffering burnout, which a lot of entrepreneurs will probably resonate with. And actually that doesn't have to be that way. You know, you don't, you know, the wearing your burnout as a badge of honor is not a thing that you have to do. You mean so, you don't have to work 70 hour weeks? No, no, absolutely, <laughs> right? So that was something that I sort of was able to sort of break and remold and, and sort of work around as well. And then, um, you know, various things around beliefs around money and, um, you know, ultimately if you if you grow up with a, a lack of something like, like resource, like money, um, you can, you know, my, my parents had sayings like money doesn't grow on trees and um, it's hard to make money and all of those sorts of things, which can be quite challenging for an entrepreneur because you you need to not believe those things. You need to believe that actually there's opportunity everywhere and um, it, it's abundant and that you're able to just to just go and solve, you know, solve solutions for enough people that's valuable enough and, and the money will come with it as a byproduct. So. Yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff that NLP's helped support me with. Um, certainly there were things that I found very confusing. My, my key, my, the key takeaway for me from my NLP journey was that I used to feel some really unhelpful emotions around, around guilt. Um, so for example, I often felt this sort of conflict between working really hard for the business and not spending enough time with my family. And then when I spent time with my family, I felt guilty because I wasn't working in the business. So there's this constant conflict where I just, I didn't know how to be happy, right? And um, I was able to, I was able to sort of work my way around that, for example. So, and, and everyone will have their own things. Those things may have resonated, but everyone has their own sort of things, their own, own internal conflicts and their own internal challenges and beliefs. And um, NLP is a lovely journey to go on to be able to help come to terms with those. And I think because you've been through that journey and you're now a master practitioner, you're helping other people on their journey too, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's been really, that I've loved this year is to be able to, you know how I said earlier about you evolve the role you do in your business to do the stuff you really enjoy doing. So, um, you know, I used to spend a lot of time doing compliance focused stuff, but I've got, you know, I've got a team of people who are amazing at doing that and, and potentially better than I am. So doing NLP and being able to to coach people myself has meant that, I've been able to help people who are at the beginning of their journey, starting their own businesses, and they want to go on this journey of development. And they want to grow their businesses. And I think when you're coaching, it's good, it's useful to have been able to uh, demonstrate that you've walked the walk yourself. So I've been through that process and I'm, I'm now helping people sort of follow that process themselves, building their business um, and um, developing their skill set and developing the knowledge and understanding of themselves to enable them to achieve greatness. So. It's exciting. It really is. Brilliant. So 23 has been a big year for artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Given what you've seen so far, what do you think the impact's going to be in 2024 to the transport industry? Wow. Um, I think it, I think it's going to be huge. So I'm aware of a range of projects that are happening at the moment utilising AI. So um, and, and, and ultimately it's going to have an impact on jobs. Um, but it means the evolution of jobs. So um, ultimately, a good example already is uh, DVS, which is if you run a 12-ton vehicle and over in London now, 
you have to have from October 2024, you have to have an AI camera, which is fitted to the front of the vehicle, which is able to tell the difference between street furniture and people. Okay, so straight away, it's massive, massive impact this year from AI alone. So every fleet operator, every vehicle that is over 12 tonne going into London is going to have to have this equipment. Now, what's going to happen is that's going to save lives, right? And then what's going to happen is that other cities are going to then start to have to implement this standard because it's going to demonstrate that vulnerable road users, pedestrians, motorcyclists, um, normal, you know, push bike cyclists, um, they, their lives are going to be, you know, we're going to stop losing lives because of that. And um, that's going to have a massive impact. So so AI-driven cameras, that's that's a thing, right? Um, from a routing and operating, um, from a routing and scheduling point of view, where people decide at the moment they use software to help them decide what the right route is to take. And that can be fallible because sometimes there's diversions and, and, and those kinds of challenges. And, um, you know, those that are familiar with the industry will not be surprised to hear that I think the statistic is something like five five bridge strikes a week by a HGV. So, and that's a routing and scheduling issue, right? Yeah. So AI is going to start to help do that process. It's no longer going to be done by people and it's no longer going to be left up to the decision of a driver as to what route they're going to take. AI will be able to ensure that the vehicle follows the routes with the right rate weight restrictions that they've got the right height enablement you know all of those sorts of things so that's that's well on its way uh, obviously from an advice and compliance point of view we're going to be launching allied which is very exciting um so i think the opportunities are endless and that's just for 2023 emerging into 2024 i think there's going to be um a whole more a whole wide range of different applications that are going to be found to um, that are going to be AI driven in the industry. It's going to be huge. It's exciting times. Really exciting. And um, ultimately, you know, as we start to realise that, so there, there is another application actually, which I forgot to mention. So AI cameras additionally are now being implemented. There's only one or two currently in the UK, um, but AI cameras are picking up distracted driving as well. So they're going to be able to, they're going to be able to spot people using their mobile phones behind a wheel. Which is great. It's escalating towards Big Brother though, isn't it? <laughs> uh yes very good question are we moving into a, a police state where everything everywhere is monitored all the time it's, it's so it's really difficult and I'll, I'll throw a statistic back and that is that two people every two people every day in the uk lose their lives on the uk roads so if that might be a distracted driver it might be someone messing with their phone it might be someone who's fatigued all of those things um Ultimately, if AI can help eliminate that, I think it's worth it, in my opinion. I think there'll be people with other opinions about, you know, Big Brother and that kind of stuff and what have you. But, you know, ultimately, Flagship has been created and built to help help improve employers to be better and to help increase safety. Um, so ultimately, these applications very much align with with my values and the, and the business values as well. So final question for you, Pete. Yeah. What about full self-driving fleets? Uh, a very exciting opportunity. Uh, and I think that's coming. I think that is coming. I think we're further ahead than people realise. Um, there's certainly the manufacturers are already working on this stuff already. Um, I think there's going to be there's going to be a place in the short term for drivers 
uh, which will look very similar to maybe potentially a pilot of a plane. Um, and ultimately, goods vehicles, for example, they do need people at either end because part of um, part of the process is you're transporting stuff from A to B, right? And you're going to need someone to make sure that stuff's on, that it's secure, that it's all there. Um, obviously, to a certain extent, sometimes robots and that sort of stuff might be able to help that as well and that will evolve over time but for the time being i think we're going to still see that um and i'm sure that we operate in the uk a very complex road network so in all instances uh i think you you won't necessarily see ai or self-driving vehicles straight away um but i think there's going to be certain applications where it's going to fit and then the the technology is going to evolve uh, and in the sort of short to medium term, that that is going to be a thing. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see motorways before we see country roads. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it will just evolve. It will evolve from there. So, um, but yeah, ultimately, it's it's a thing. It's going to happen. So people people just need to embrace it. Ultimately, our driving population in the UK, professional drivers, the average age is fifty five, um, and it's not an industry that young people are wanting to get into either. So. You know, we're going to at some point there's going to be a labour challenge or there is already a bit of a labour challenge. So, you know, from a ethical point of view, I don't really have too much of an issue with it because I think I think the industry is just going to have to evolve and people will evolve with it. And as you talk about the incident rates, it will reduce. Yeah. And that's ultimately the measure of success, isn't it? If we increase the efficiency and reduce the amount of injuries and accidents, then it's a win. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Pete. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much.